0: One more time, good morning. It is so good to see everybody. I've loved it for weeks now. I look up and there are people here. It makes me really happy. It's so, so glad that you were here. Hopefully you have had a good day um, so far. And again, if it is your first time, we just want to say welcome to South Point. If it's your first time kind of tuning in with us online and to our online crowd, thank you so much for being a part of this as well. We are going to continue to worship today, kind of looking at what we've talked about the last many, many weeks, the greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And we said last week there was kind of these shifts that come up in the message, and sometimes he's going to talk through the Beatitudes, and sometimes he's going to talk through the law and how that applies And then we've kind of found ourselves in a spot where we understand in everyday life there are these pitfalls that can come up. There are things that can happen that can kind of rob us of joy, can pull us away from God, can pull us down, and Jesus warns against those. And so last week we learned that, hey, when it comes to storing up treasures, hey, we want to store up treasures in heaven, not just here on earth, because those can be taken. And if we put all of our value and identity in those, that can be taken away very quickly. And today's message is kind of interesting because when you think about it, you are reading a text that was written and recorded almost 2,000 years ago. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus goes up on this mountainside and he sits down and he begins to teach these people. And 2,000 years later, there's times where we look at that and we go, man, I have a hard time following along with what's going on and understanding how this applies. Because look, the reality is 2020 is very, very different than the year 30 or 31 when this happened. Like, we've made so many advances, so many things have changed that we, we don't always feel that we can relate to what's happening. Because just think about the last hundred years of our existence. The electricity usage has gone up considerably in the last hundred years, right? Automobile use has gone up a lot. When it comes to something like disease and sickness, I know that we talked about that a lot in 2020. But in the 20th century alone, things like measles. Things like smallpox. Smallpox killed hundreds of millions of people in the 20th century, and we've eradicated that. We look at something that in Jesus' day, the life expectancy was a little bit shorter than it is now. Even 100 years ago, the life expectancy in America was like 47 years. It's gone up a lot. Why? Because we've made advances in those areas. We've made advances when it comes to technology. Like, in Jesus' day, you just didn't have a technology advisor. Like, that didn't exist. When it comes to government, man, we've put together amazing governments where people, we don't elect, or we don't have a king over us. We, we elect officials. And we come together and we say, hey, we have a voice, we have a power, and it's made everything better. And then you get into things like a smartphone, all these different things. It's so different then in the years that Jesus was speaking, and yet what he's going to talk about today, throughout all of those years that have existed between when this was recorded and when we read it today, today's message is still very prevalent because he's going to address the idea of anxiety. Anxiety is something that one in five Americans, about 20% of people, deal with anxiety on a very high level. And I'm a person that's looked at it and said, man, I'm not really an anxious person, but the more I've studied this week, what I've found is anxiety gets everyone at some point. Because there can be an anxiety that you feel, and maybe it's like anxiety disorder, you go, man, this is debilitating at times, and it feels so heavy upon me. And there's, there's times where you go, hey, I have a competitive problem, and sometimes that competitive problem makes me anxious about doing certain things, like what if I don't win, or what if I'm not good at this? Or when it comes to something like even preaching. Or when it comes to something about, hey, I want to be accepted by people. And so I get really anxious and I say things that maybe aren't exactly true. Or maybe I exaggerate who I am so that I can be accepted by others. And what's the base of that? Anxiety. I get anxious about those moments. Anxiety affects preachers. Anxiety affects teachers. Anxiety affects students. Anxiety is something that every one of us can understand on a given day. Everybody. And for all of those things that have changed that we talked about. Okay, so yeah, we've, we've cured lots of diseases and things like that. And so we feel like, okay, we shouldn't be anxious about that. But we have WebMD, right? You go to WebMD one day and see if you don't get anxious. Man, my finger, finger hurts. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start planning my will. Because that's where it will take you. Like immediately, it will take you to the worst possible thing from a splinter in your finger. And so we get anxious about that. And we go, hey, our government is so much better. Like, it's, it's existed for hundreds of years, and no one's coming in and taking over us. That makes everything better, right? No. <laughs> like, oh, my soul. Just spend five seconds thinking about government today, and you will get anxious. Okay, so we have all of these great things where, you know what, we don't, we don't send our children off to work with their small hands and machinery at the age of 12 because we understand that's not wrong. We have all this disposable income that's so much better. But then we go, well, where do I spend that disposable income? And do I have as much disposable income as this person over here? And we get anxious. And as different as the Jewish culture was in Jesus' day, as it is for an American in the year 2020, this was still an issue. These people in an agrarian society, in a society that had been taken over by the Roman Empire, they dealt with anxiety. In 2020, for all of our advances and all of our greatness, we still deal with anxiety, and Jesus addresses it. And I know sometimes this can be a tough situation because you walk in and go, man, I've been anxious this week. I've been anxious about job stuff. I've been anxious about things within my family. I've been anxious about things going on in the world. Like all of these anxieties, we, we hold them, and they weigh us down. And the reality is God did not build his kingdom so that you and I would be anxious. He built it so that you and I could have peace. And so as we look at this today, what I want to do, because I feel like there's a number of people that, hey, I'm needing this today. I just want to try and speak some truth. And sometimes that truth is going to be a little heavy within it. And sometimes it's going to seem whimsical that you can take a step back. But let's look at how Jesus addresses something 2,000 years ago that is unbelievably prevalent today. And it begins in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. Jesus says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? As we kind of start, I want you to think this, how you define life is either going to heal or it's going to fuel your anxiety. And here's what I mean by that just from one verse. When you start to look at this, he says, therefore, just as a kind of a good Bible study reference as you're reading scripture, maybe you're kind of new to that, you're going through and you're trying to study, anytime you see the word therefore, there's this old adage that says you need to figure out why it or what it's there for. And so when he says therefore, think about all the things he just got done talking about He really just addressed treasures. He says, hey, you store up treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth. Treasures on earth can be taken. You can have your identity in these things, in money and finance, and that can be taken away very, very quickly. And so he kind of pulls last week's message back into anxiety because the reality is you want to talk about something that can cause anxiety and tension in your life, start talking about finances. Money is something that we look at, and we kind of put all of this, like, all of this worth into it. And there's times where we say, hey, if I can just get enough money, I can find my identity in money. And money, money can cause issues all over the place. It causes anxiety. Within marriage, there are two things that have been shown that are fought over more than almost anything else. Finances. And, and time spent together. See what I did there. What do you mean? Oh, no. Okay, I'm gonna stop. You get where I'm going with that. But finances are a big one. It's very few times. I remember one time in seminary, we had a, a panel of people that had been married north of 50 years. It was all older couples north of 50 years, and one of them said, We've never fought over money. And I remember thinking, What do you fight over then? Like, what, what is there? Like, if you're not finding with that, because this is one, when it comes to relationships, it causes anxiety and it causes a lot of pain. And what happens is, a lot of times, we become anxious over what we perceive to be important in life. And we feel like, hey, if I can just get enough money, I can buy my identity, even with something as simple as food and clothing. Like, if I can just get enough money, then I can go to Chipotle, and I don't have to think about ordering guacamole. Like, for some people, you feel like you have arrived when you don't have to think, can I afford guac? Why? Because guacamole's good. We like it, but man, they charge more for that. And there's times where it's this feeling that if I can just get enough money to achieve that, then I'm going to be okay. If I can just get enough money to instead of shopping at this store, I can shop at this store. And it's going to give me an identity. It's going to fulfill my life. And Jesus is going, you are looking at life the wrong way. Because those things, one of the reasons they cause so much anxiety is because they are ever-changing. You take clothing. There was a time where you thought, man, this shirt is the greatest shirt I could ever buy. This jacket is the greatest jacket I could ever buy. This pair of shoes is going to get me noticed. And that was 20 years ago. (laughs) If you wear those today, it's not vintage (laughs) yet. You just look at it and go, that's old. Identity changes in that sense. And if we look at life as simply meeting that physical demand, Or meeting that demand of clothing. Yeah, it's going to cause anxiety because it's always changing. And Jesus addresses this. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about the body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Because here's what happens with these two basic necessities. Are these important? Yes. You need to have these met. If you're looking at your life, hear this, if you are looking at your life and going, man, I don't know where I'm going to get my next meal and I don't have clothes to put on my back, you are in a good spot because this place will help take care of that. Like if we're looking at it and you honestly can go, I just don't know if I can meet those basic physical needs. There are people here and this church will help you. If you're listening online, that is not what we were talking about. But a lot of times we take something like food and we go, why do I like food so much? It's pleasurable. It's pleasurable. I like good food. I like rich food. I like food that tastes good to me, whatever that is that you define for yourself. Personally, I like it when multiple animals have to give their life to, to satisfy my dinner needs. That's what I like. I love all God's animals, especially next to mashed potatoes. And so we look at that and go, hey, food is pleasurable. Life is more than just pleasure. Life is about glorifying God. I love the question, okay, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever, or enjoying him forever, depending on how you want to word it. I love that. Life is more than just the pleasure of food. It's the pleasure of serving God. When it comes to clothing, why do we like that so much? Because clothing is seen as a status symbol. Like if I can dress a certain way, if I can wear a certain brand, people are going to look at that and notice it. And it's not just simply about clothes. It's not about the status there. It's about going, hey, am I looking for man's approval or am I more concerned with God's approval? Paul would have some strong wordage about that in Galatians. Like, look, if I'm trying to please man, I have forgotten about God. It's not about the external there. It's about going, there's a bigger picture. And when you take both of those things together, they are absolute necessities. Like you need food, you need clothing to survive. But he says if your identity is just simply in that, you're missing out on, you're looking on this side of heaven when he's talking about eternity. And so he says, hey, let's not be anxious about those things. How you define life is either going to free you from anxiety of going, hey, this other stuff, it's a little trivial. Or it's going to fuel your anxiety where it's like, I have to have those things. I have to have that in order to feel good about myself. And God is going, yet I am here put me in your life and feel good about that. That was one verse. Let's continue on. So in verse 26, he kind of gives a little bit of an example. He says, "Hey, you know what? As I talk about something heavy, I want you to have some pictures in your mind." So in verse 26, he says, "Look at the birds of the air. They neither reap or they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father he feeds them. Are you not of more value than they?" So, he kind of gives this picture, and I would say this when you're feeling anxious, we're going to start to look at a few things we can do to maybe combat against this. If you're feeling anxious, when you feel anxious, stop and smell the flowers. Now, that can seem kind of trivial, but here's what I mean by that. He starts to paint these pictures. First, he begins to talk about birds. He says, Hey, think of the birds. Like we live in an area where you see them all over the place. Some of them are pretty, some of them are grackles, they're nasty. But think of the birds. He says, look, they're not storing things away forever. Now, are they lazy? No. Like, they go out, they provide for their needs, they meet it on a daily basis. But when it comes to a bird, you've never seen like a worm bank somewhere that they make deposits. And so, birds trust that God is going to be there for them in that day. What sets us apart from the birds? We actually can honor God with our faith. When we think about our life, and we think about the provision that God has made for us, we honor him with our faith in living that out on a daily basis. What birds also remind us is, hey, if he's here for us today, if he meets my needs today, in that bird's mind, he goes, my needs are going to be met tomorrow. If God provides for us today, he's going to provide for us in the future. And when it comes to anxiety, anxiety doesn't change that. Because you could have worried about something a year ago, and yet, here's the reality, you find yourself here today. Anxiety didn't change getting you here today. If, not, if anything else, it just kind of pulled things away. That's why in verse 27 he says, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? The reality is anxiety is pretty much useless. Anxiety, some people say, it's, it's fear looking for a cause. It hasn't found the cause yet, it's just the fear that's already there. And he says, hey, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your day? No one. Because anxiety doesn't, whatever the problem is, I can tell you this, anxiety is never the solution. Worrying and stressing over it is never the solution. Anxiety doesn't change those things. And then, he says in verse 30, he says... Or in verse 29, he says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And so he gives this picture of these lilies. And as we think about anxiety, think about this also. God loves to adorn. Like when it comes to your life, God is concerned about that, He's concerned about meeting your needs. And it's, Actually, it's less concern. It's, he has the ability to do that because he's God. He says, you look out at a field of grass and all the different flowers that pop up from that. God cares about those. But if he cares about those, think about how much more he cares about you and wants to adorn you. God desires people over possessions. When it comes to anxiety, we need to think about it from that way, that we have a good Father that cares more about us than the possessions of the world. Now, I don't know what your great possessions are. Like, growing up, I was a big baseball fan. I had a baseball card collection that I was pretty proud of. I got into it in the late 80s when I was young, and I mean, I had thousands and thousands of baseball cards. Every birthday, every Christmas, I got more baseball cards. I had some that were pretty awesome. I had some, when I was a little kid, my favorite baseball player was Jose Canseco. He played for the A's, which meant I also got a bunch of other baseball cards from a guy named Mark McGuire. Um, and so I had some very early, very rare Mark McGuire cards. I had Bo Jackson's first uh, card from the White Sox. I loved him. He was my favorite athlete of all time. I loved Nolan Ryan, had a bunch of his. Like, I had a number of baseball cards, and also a lot of my childhood heroes um, were juiced up. That's, uh, that's, you learn that later on in life. But I had all these collected, man, I had gone through a number of them and gone, hey, these are of more value. And so I had them placed in the right boxes, had them placed in protective things, and I was saving those. It was like, you know what, one day, they're, they're worth something now, but one day I'm just going to hold on to those. I'm, I'm in it for the long game. That's a pretty good possession. And one day that might actually have some, some payoff. I can go on a TV show and slap that card down and it's going to be worth a million dollars. Probably wouldn't have happened. But then in 2007, I had those baseball cards stored at my parents' house. One morning, I got a phone call and said, Hey, I don't know a lot of the details, but I know your parents' house is on fire. I got in a car, and I made a trip from the DFW area to where I grew up very quickly. And I'll never forget walking into what used to be my parents' closet and seeing this pile of burned cardboard (laughs) and going, That investment didn't pay off. (laughs) They were all destroyed. But you know what was okay in that moment? People weren't. One of them sitting over there. He was living with my family at the time, so I'm very thankful for that. My family all got out of a house that burned to the ground where vehicles blew up. It looked like a war zone. And if a pile of burned cardboard means that everyone else is okay, I don't give one single thought to that. Were they adorned at a time? Yeah, people are more important. And God looks at his children and says, hey, as much as I have clothed the canvas of the universe, he could have gone on of, hey, look at the stars, look how beautiful they are. Some of them are expanses you can't even understand, and yet I love you more than that, and I care for you more than that. And so he says he's going to adorn us, and he, he, he kind of paints this picture of these happy birds and these beautiful flowers, it's kind of a Bob Ross moment, right? He's painted this beautiful picture that we go, oh, I'm starting to understand. Maybe I shouldn't be anxious. And then he's going to drive home maybe the biggest point of this when it comes to anxiety. He talks about the birds. He talks about the flowers. But at the end of verse 30, he says, Will he not much more clothe you in these few words, O oh, you of little faith? This is the heart of the anxiety. This is the foundation. This is where anxiety really comes from. He shows the true root of anxiety, and it's unbelief. When unbelief gets the upper hand of our heart, one of the results is anxiety. And sometimes we look at that and go, I don't like that. That's not encouraging. You're telling me what I thought was just some fleeting thing, or maybe I got caught up in a moment, or maybe this situation I thought was really big. You're telling me, no, it's actually about unbelief. That's what Jesus just said. When unbelief sets in, one of the results is anxiety. And a lot of times we do. We look at that and go, I don't, I don't like that. And I don't like that either. But here's where it can actually be helpful and it's a hard help. Let's say one day, you've had a couple weeks, man, your stomach, something just doesn't feel right. You've been taking care of yourself, you've been doing all these things, but something, there's just something in you that's like, hey, this is not normal. So you go to the doctor, and they run some tests, and you get a phone call, and they say, hey, you've got early stages of stomach cancer, small intestine cancer. Is that good news? No. No one would get that phone call, and some of you have been in that spot, some of you have family in that spot, no one gets that phone call and goes, this is good news. That's when Jesus goes, this is unbelief. Here's the good part of that. Would you be happy that it was caught early, that it can be dealt with, that you can go through a process and it can be cured? Most certainly. Now, we may not like hearing certain things, but if we hear it early enough and we acknowledge it, and this does not isn't just in the area of anxiety. This bleeds over into a lot of places in life. Sometimes we don't like hearing that maybe I have an area of unbelief. Or we don't like hearing that there's an area where I'm not being obedient. But if we can acknowledge it early, that's the hard part. And then if we can deal with it in the next 50 years or better, it's worth it. And so when he says, you've let some unbelief, you've let your trust in me fall away in this area because you've forgotten that I can be trusted with everything. Sometimes we don't like to hear that, but when we acknowledge it and we begin to work on it and we begin to put our faith and trust back in Christ, the impact is massive. we look at some of those areas and go, man, I've been anxious about this, but I don't need to. Because I'm, when I'm anxious about this, is what I'm really saying is God's not big enough to, to deal with this, and he is. He can cover all of it. So look in verse 31. says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When you seek his kingdom first, life begins to make sense. Instead of looking at what makes us anxious, if at first we look at what his kingdom is and how we are a part of that, life begins to make sense. Again, it says, therefore. He's talking about everything he just talked about. He says, therefore, don't be someone lacking in faith. Don't be someone lacking in trust that God can deal with this and that God's got this. He says, don't be like the Gentiles. He says, the Gentiles, they do, they find all of their identity And he keeps going back to this. He says, they find all their identity in the clothes that they wear and the food that they eat. And they think if they don't have those things, then life is miserable. He's saying, hey, don't be like someone who doesn't have belief in me. When he talks about Gentiles, we say, hey, that's us today. We're the Gentiles. But when he's talking here, he's talking about people outside of faith. He says, hey, if, if your idea of what's going to bring you pleasure and satisfaction is what's going to bring the world pleasure and satisfaction maybe you have it wrong. In fact, we do. Because the world's going to chase after every other thing possible. Because the world doesn't know what satisfies. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added to you. That sounds a lot like Matthew 5-6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Part of anxiety, part of the fruit of anxiety is a lack of satisfaction because we're always anxious about what's coming next he says hey if you will take your eyes off what the world deems important and satisfying and put it on what I say is satisfying righteousness he says and you'll find satisfaction you can find satisfaction when it comes to anxiety you can find satisfaction when it comes to life you can find satisfaction when it comes to your soul Because one of the things the world is constantly chasing after is something that they feel is finally going to fill up something that's missing inside. That's why the world chases after so many things and yet Christ is going, it's me, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hunger and thirst for my righteousness and you'll find satisfaction. And so when we chase after his kingdom, life begins to make sense. And then he finishes with this verse, he says, therefore... Do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This becomes his application for every one of us as we live this week. Make the most of today. Now when you came in here today, some of you may have said, yeah, I brought some anxiety in here and I'm going to have to deal with that. There's some things that are going to happen in this week that's coming up that I feel this angst building up inside of me. Make the most of today. We remember the past. We plan for the future. But we live for today. And so we remember the things that God has done. We remember the things that God has poured into us. And we can make plans and say, hey, here's how we want to put that into action. But action always happens in the present. And God has given you this day for you to put your trust in him. He's given you this day to live for his glory. He's given you this day to reflect on how good he is. And so we can plan and we can think, but let's live for today. Because God is here right now. His Holy Spirit is here right now. How do we we combat against this? Meditate on God's word. You want to talk about some application of, okay, I'm going to approach something this week, and man, it's going to cause some anxiety in my life. What are you doing to meditate on God's word to battle against that? Because there's infinite areas. Sometimes you go, okay, I'm going, to, I'm going to text the pastor and say, hey, what do you think about this? Here's something. Openbible.com or Google. Those are great things. Because if you say, hey, I'm anxious about this area, what does the Bible say about this? Open Bible will give you a great number of verses. And so if you've got some anxiety over family things, you're going to find verses that you can speak and read and meditate on that will help your unbelief. We talked this morning as we were praying with staff. There's a moment in Mark where a guy goes, I believe, help my unbelief. Like, we believe, but there are times where we go, "I, I, I need to meditate more. And God has placed his word in our life. That Ephesians would say, This is part of the armor of God. That every day when we live in today, we wake up, we put that armor on to prepare ourselves to go to battle, to go to battle against things we can't see, to go to battle against unbelief, to go to battle against anxiety, to go to battle against anger, to go to battle against lust, to go to battle against everything. And yet, He has prepared us with His word. If we will meditate on it, it'll convict, it'll grow, it will move us forward and it will give you everything that you need for today. Let's pray. God, if we just think for a moment, put a picture in our minds of how you have clothed and fed the universe. God, you gave us brilliant stars to look at and to wonder over. And sometimes to guide people at night. God, you've given us these beautiful picturesque scenes across our planet of canyons and oceans and flowers and animals. And God, we look at those and something within them most of the time just brings a peace. And yet we forget as much as you've given to those, you love to adorn us more. Because as beautiful as those things are, God, You didn't send your son for them. You sent your son for us. You didn't send your word there. You sent your word to us. So, God, I know that there are people that, even this morning, God, there's an angst going on. And one, I pray, peace. God, we pray for righteousness that we chase after and find satisfaction. God, that we would look at our lives as more than just simply going through the motions of humanity. And God, we would look to you and say, what brings you glory? And God, if there's someone here today and they're, the angst in their life is just wondering, like, what is the point of all of this? God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. God, that you would show them that there is more to life than just simply breathing, that true life is found in you. And it's only through your son, Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, whether it's sitting in here, listening online, you go, man, I've, I've never had a personal relationship with Christ. We want you to know that it begins with just acknowledging, hey, I understand that I'm a sinful person, that that separates me from God because he's holy, but I want, I want to leave that behind. I want to turn away from that. And I want to follow Christ And God, we know in that moment one of the biggest angst of humanity of what is next is taken away and people are made into a new creation and they're brought into a family of God. And God, for believers that say, I believe but help my unbelief, God, this week I pray that your word would be all over us. That we would meditate on it, that it would invigorate us, it would show us that you're in control. God, we love you. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Guys, real quick, before we move on in time of worship and time of offering and things like that, um, there's something I want to do this morning.